Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. The other day you didn't sleep very well, and when we woke up you told me that you had had this really weird dream. And I woke up way, way, way before you. You always do, yes. but this time was extra way. I, I woke up because of the dream. Yes. Like, the dream woke me up at the point of intensity that was surprising to me or whatnot. Right. And I stayed awake trying to figure out what the hell. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. That makes sense. And that was probably at quarter to five in the morning. Okay. Which is about 15 or 30 minutes earlier than I prefer to wake up. You prefer to wake up right around five. You do not. I do not. <laughs> so. No. You, eventually I told you this, but anyhow. Yes. <laughs> So tell me about your dream. So in this dream, we are at a convention, like a Doctor Who or Star Trek or some kind of thing like that. Right. And we're at the convention and I'm in a queue that's going to something. There's other people walking around. They, You know, it gets kind of crowded. So as I'm facing forward to my right, these people are walking past and they're like, hey, George, how's it going? And a lot of them have British accents because I've probably been listening to a lot of podcasts with Doctor Who and that makes sense. stuff like that. Some of the folks we, we know from there also uh, have that accent. But yes. anyhow, I, I talk to them, you know, just, hey, how's it going? And they're going somewhere and I say... Where check out where they're going. All right, I'll see you, see you guys over there later or something like that. Maybe I'll see you there. Just kind of touching base. And um, I'm standing in the queue. And then to my left, coming from behind me and around are two people. And one of them is also a familiar person, uh, convention type friend. Uh-huh. So as as they're coming around, I, I know the one person and the other person is somebody with them that I've probably seen, but don't have an acquaintance you're, you're, with. Yeah. They're somebody from your subconscious. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> so, and this, the person I do recognize is this kind of androgynous, short-haired, female-bodied person who's not very female. Yes. And so I say, hey, where are you going to be later? And, and the delivery, the response was purposefully so, at least the impact I felt of it. Uh, we're going to be upstairs or downstairs. And, and they said, oh, both. Like, I'm not telling you, don't find me. Or, you know, that kind of thing. They're trying to be polite and friendly and brush you off. Right. I, I really felt it in the dream. I really felt like the impact of, hey, don't find me. Because I thought this person was a friend of mine. And right. that we were going to hang out or something like that. Or, you know, you bump into other people. You talk to them for a little while. You might go see where they are and check out the thing they're doing. And right. they might do that. So I felt really shut down. Mm-hmm. And the impact of it, right when that happened, I woke up right after that. And I was surprised at that impact that that had on me of being shut down like that and, you know, closed out of the the friendship or the contact. Yeah, it obviously kept me awake. And I, I wanted to think about it for a while as I was laying there because I, I wanted to figure that out. I was like, what the hell was that? Right. Why is that bothering me so much? I mean, I'm an introvert, so I don't usually get bothered by those type of things. But maybe as an introvert, I'm reaching out to someone who's also kind of introvert-like, and they're shutting me down. And, uh-huh. and it feels like, you know, with that purpose of, of shutting me down. 
So that was my my dream. And I haven't had a dream quite like that in a while. I mean, I know we used to talk about dreams off and on because I had quite a few at the beginning of my transition. Yeah. And then some few ones lately, but nothing quite that intense. So it might not seem like an intense thing, like one of those apocalypse dreams or something like that. But most of us who, who can remember our dreams at different points have these types of dreams that the emotional impact of it will wake you up. When you first described it to me, you didn't tell me a lot of that after effects of like what you were laying there thinking of and so on. You just told me what had happened in the dream and it struck me that there was a gender non-binary person expressing a disinterest in interacting with you because you have recently expressed a interest in being more out as a trans person and being more visible and spending more energy if like we have any, but you know, doing more to connect with the queer and the trans community. I, I thought I had some more energy right before I got sick. Yeah. Because that's when we were talking about this. Yes. Yeah. And you had just asked me to get you, if I went to Pride, I was supposed to look for trans visibility type shirts. This is what trans looks like, or gender is over, or, you know, any of those other types of visibility items that you could wear. Yeah, and I had looked at some online probably around the time we last talked about this with the microphone about feeling more ready to be an out trans guy. Right. And since, you know, you're going to be out and about, I thought, oh, there might be something new or you might see something and send me a picture and I might like it. So Right. And so that's what it made me think of as you're telling me this dream that this gender liminal friend of ours is expressing a disinterest in interacting with you as a straight guy who passes for cis and pretty much acts like a cis straight guy a lot of the time. I did before too. You did, but then it was this great subversive thing because you were a dyke and now it's just another straight guy. Yep. Yep. I've, I've blended into my own I think we call it here. passing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as problematic as that term is, yes. Yeah. I, we lack a better one at the point well, at this point. Blending into the uh, background, I guess, would yeah. be the next closest thing. Yeah. Um, it, that was interesting, too, because I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't separated in my mind, oh, that's a queer person or a queer presenting person or possibly queer person in my dream. And I think that's because I don't always do that. I got very used to as a queer person being comfortable around other queer people. So I, I didn't think of it. I'm more likely to say, like when I was walking down the hall at work yesterday and there was some uh, woman standing at the window waiting for, you know, someone to uh -huh. speak to them or whatever, but apparently nobody was there. And she turned around and saw me because I walk in the door, there's a door. And anyhow, the point is the straight lady winked at me. Like I said, hey, is anybody helping you? And she said, no. And then like not a total wink, but sort of like a, yeah, hey, thanks, mister. You know, that kind of thing. Like, thanks, guy. And I was like, the straight lady winked at me in my head, you know, so I noticed uh -huh. that kind of stuff. Right. Um, th that never happened before. And it's very funny when it does. I notice like, oh, there's my straight guy friend who likes the Dodgers and likes the football team from my hometown. So that goes through my head, but I don't often think, oh, there's a queer person. Queer, queer spaces still feel most comfortable to you because that's where you lived for so many decades. Yes. And queer people still feel like family because that's who was family for so many decades. Right. So when you pointed it out, I thought, now that's something to think about. Because here's what I thought about. Earlier that day, 
I had, when I was at work, my work wife was going to go up to another floor to a 10-year anniversary of that department's, you know, they're having food and cake and talking, and this is a social interaction. And I often just go with, I probably think maybe I'll go, but I never do go all by myself. Wait, I might if it's in my department with the people I say hello to every day as we're walking past each other or getting something out of our lunch back out of the fridge or whatever. I might go there. But to another department, who also I see those people on a fairly regular basis, I don't. It's an introvert thing, I suppose. I go to all the things, partly because I'm an extrovert and partly because they always have food. And sometimes I might make it to some of those things that I wouldn't necessarily go to if I know they have food and I'm really hungry. Fair. Right. There's usually one or two people I could say hi to, talk to for a minute, and then leave with my food. There you go. Yeah. But anyhow, so we go up there. Now, I've probably seen these people for the whole 10 years they've been there on a regular basis. So they've known you before. Yes. And some of them have been there. Some of them are newer people. They've only been there a few years. But a lot of them have been there a long time. I'd say a third of them in the room that I saw. So three, four, five people that I, I knew from their face. Now, in part, I can't remember names because... Because I don't often do that. And in part, I can't remember names because I can't remember everything since I got sick the first time. The sepsis like erased a lot of things that apparently weren't necessary for staying alive. There you go. But anyhow, we get up there and the first person in the room who's doing some of the greeting and talking to somebody who's right in front of us is the only dyke in that department. And I've known her this whole time. A very nice person. Used to work over at the courts, works over at this department now. So have, have known her all the years I've been working for the government. And has she been weird about your transition at all? Sometimes Not at there's all. That, that LGB versus T thing that happens. No, like, she, she's been You're making very us comfortable. look bad. Nothing, None at all. Nothing at That's all. That's awesome. Right. This person is there greeting people and talking and behind them is somebody else who's a little higher up in their agency talking to some other people. I know her. The dyke greeting us, as a queer person talking to the microphone, I can say. Yes. <laughs> the dyke greeting us, I know. I know her name. The person behind them, I should know their name. I can't think of it. I still can't think of it. And then there's a couple guys there that I recognize and I know their names. I can't think of one of them right now. Anyhow, so these are the people that I recognize in the room. And then there's a whole bunch of food and... You get some food and you chat with people. And usually what I do is I I get some food and I stand there while my work wife chats with people and then I might interject a few things. This is the most comfortable approach for me. Except it's not still, it's not entirely comfortable because I kind of want to be more comfortable and at the same time just don't want to be there. <laughs> so that's That's an introvert problem. It is, it is. And I think, darn it, all these years as a sort of person that could be, in, you know, invisible as a dyke in this agency, I, I mean, people knew my name because everybody knows who George is, especially as a female George, they would all remember George. Right. But um, I just wouldn't remember people's names because I was living in this space that I didn't realize was oblivious to most of the things around me, including everybody's name. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't have the interest or energy or wherewithal to remember all these straight people's names. (laughs) Yeah, I've had some of this as well. It's it's funny because you hear sometimes the cultural meme, not internet meme, but the cultural meme that all members of a certain ethnicity look alike. Mm-hmm. You know, all black people look alike, all Asians look alike to the dominant culture, to white folks. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. 
And so, like, I've been realizing lately that all straight ladies look alike to me. I, I noticed that a while ago because I work in a government building that has lots of 20 to 30-something straight ladies. They all yep. look the same to me. Yep. Sorry, straight ladies, if you're listening to this. No, no offense, men. <laughs> right. But I don't know who you are. <laughs> I can identify you by... That's the lady who winked at me. That's the lady who used to be your weird and isn't now. That kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? All right. Yeah. So, um, and I, but I know like who the black guy is, who the guy with the ponytail is, who the guy with the white hair ponytail is, who the Asian ladies are. I know them. Yes. And that's funny because like, I also know the minority populations before I learned the white people. I don't know if that's weird or not, but continue. I don't, I don't know either. I couldn't tell you. So this meeting, this this anniversary reception thing. Yeah, so I'm at it and I'm thinking, God, I, I wish I knew what their names were and I can't think of their names and it's too small in here and the work wife is already talking to say, hey, uh, what's that one's name again? Because she's really used to that. She's really used to me saying, somebody comes by. This is... Our, yeah. our, somebody comes by our desks and says, hey, George and George's work wife, blah, 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 blah. And then they go away and I say, hey, work wife, who was that? <laughs> and then the work like rolls their eyes and says, George, that was so-and-so. They do this. And she's been doing this with you for what? Like you guys have worked together for like 15 years off and on? 15, 18 years. We've known each other and we've worked there together seven years. So consistently, probably every workday for the last seven years of George turning around and saying, hey, work wife, who is that? Or hey, work wife, the person who does blah, blah, blah. What's her name? Yeah. So she knows. She knows that but I do this. But at this point, sh your usual go-to is already engaged in conversation, and you can't interrupt to say, hey, stop talking to that person and tell me who the other person is. Right. And what was really bugging me is I knew the person's name across the room and couldn't find it in my brain, couldn't find it in there. Right. Like I've known her a long time. So... See, I, as, I, a, as a femme-ish, passing for cis straight lady, I can just walk up to people and say, hey, hun, how's it been? Right. Hey, girl, what you been up to? Mm -hmm. Whereas patriarchy, you can't say hun, sweetie, darling without it coming off as sexist. Yeah, and it's not my style anyway, so that's good that it's not my style. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So continue. So there's this little struggle going on for me where I want to be more comfortable. And oh, I think part of it and relating back to the dream was when we came from the convention last time, when we went out of town and went to the convention, afterwards, I was listening to some podcasts and one of them was talking about being at a convention and when you've been there a little longer, welcoming new people or talking to people. And, and I was feeling after listening to that, really encouraged to be more social with other people at the convention because they're just there for the same reasons I am, right? Yeah. Go over and talk to them about whatever Doctor Who thing seems apparent about their presentation and yeah. then listen to them. That, that would generally be how a conversation yes. happens at conventions. I, right. So I see you like the thing I like. Let's talk about the thing and get to know each other through talking about the thing. Right. And so I was encouraged by that. And I was thinking, that's all you do. And, and this triggers a memory it's right not now. not really all you do, but continue. What, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, you still have to have your social skills. True. You can't just walk up to someone and say, hey, I like your sonic screwdriver earrings. Did you remember how the certain sonic screwdriver had the certain color and the different one had the other color and the... Okay. I won't. 
but that will happen. That will totally and happen. And that doesn't it bother me. It happens to me all the time, and it, it, it doesn't bother you, and it does bother me a little. It doesn't bother me at all. I find That's it interesting. Okay. I just listen, and then I see if there's a chance for me to actually interact or not. <laughs> We have an autistic person at our house. We do. I'm familiar with the process. Yes. The autistic person says things and then you say something that you hope relates to what they said. But when there's a Doctor Who thing, I might really know. Yes. Okay. So continue. So anyhow, this talking about this right now reminds me, as a young introvert, queer person in my early 20s. Okay. Back in the day, my best friend, this femme lesbian person and her kind of butch girlfriend and I would hang out all the time. They were very social, both of them. So they were always going to somebody's party or barbecue or something. Oh, I think you've told us this yes. before. Yes. Right. Go ahead. Continue. So I was single and I was not very social. So they decided, especially my best friend, you need to go with us to these things. And I said, okay, uh, what do you do? And they said, you see a person that might look like they're looking at you and they would talk to you and you say, hi, how are you? I'm George. And they say they're who they are. And then you talk about something that's going on or... Like they, they, they had to coach you through. Yes, they had to coach me through, like we do with an autistic boy down the hall. Yes. This is what you do. Yes, it's and, true. And I said, okay, I might be able to try that. And so they were dragging me with to one of these things. And uh, I, I didn't really want to go. I never do. And she said on the phone, look, she would call me Giorgio, get yourself in the car and get over here now because we're going. And that's that. So I went over there and went and went to the thing. And it wasn't bad at all. You know, of course, I had two very social people hanging around and they would talk to everybody. And then I would talk a little and it was fine. Right, right. So I've never been the, I've never been very good at this whole thing. No, you haven't. Thing. When I came back from the con and I was listening to the podcasts, I was very encouraged by the social interaction ideas. I felt enthusiastic about them. And the so, fuck? so I, I had it in my mind that it was all good now. I had it figured out. <laughs> Just me and a podcast in the car and I've got it all figured out. Uh-huh. So <laughs> yeah. I thought social interaction. You go in a place. It's like the thing that my friend told me many years ago. You go somewhere, hi, I'm George, you talk to them, and that's what you're doing. Right. But that's not what happened at the thing I went to with the work wife. I think in part because I'm supposed to know some of these people's names, and I can't remember fucking anything, especially right now. Your, your cognitive capacity and memory have been diminished by your recovery. Yes. By trying to stay alive, I have not remembered things. Continue. So that made me feel a little more awkward as well. And feeling awkward does not facilitate confidence. They are quite far from each other. So then I feel even more distance from figuring out what to do. Uh -huh. Because instead of trying to think more, I'm just thinking, really, I don't want to do this. How do I get out? Yeah. So then I'm in, I'm in the room thinking, I, I can't remember these things and I can't remember what to talk about. And so I'm supposed to know some things that I can't remember. And it's not like at a convention where I could just start talking about any number of random Doctor Who things. Right. So then I come home and I have this dream. About feeling socially isolated. Yes, extremely so. And then you mentioned the queer factor. And I think there is a queer factor because I'm sure that that got triggered in my brain as well with the queer person that was in the welcoming part of the room there, the doorway. Yes. Where the welcoming was happening. <laughs> yeah. And... um that in situations with other queer people, when you're recognizable as queer, there's sort of a, hey, I see you over there type of thing that yes. can happen. 
And, you know, that person, that queer person already knows me. So there is that still that history there. But there's not in other situations. I can't walk into any queer space and have them automatically think I'm a trans guy. They might think I'm a queer guy, which is what happened at one of the prides Yes. The first year I was transitioning. Uh-huh. But they don't see the person, the rest of the person I know I am in my head. So as a person who's transitioned, now everybody sees the gender that I've always had. But they don't see the history written all over your presentation like it was previously when your presentation was off. And therefore a queer person. I've heard people describe this phenomenon among communities of color, where if you are one of two or three people of color at a predominantly white party or at a predominantly white gathering, the people of color will sort of make eye contact with each other like, yeah, if shit goes down, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And there's the same thing happens with visibly queer people in predominantly straight cisgender spaces. You know, we make eye contact with each other like, yeah, if shit goes down, I'm over here. There's some connection and comfort and so forth in that. And I'm in a room with a bunch of straight people for the most part, and I've never had any interest in whatever the hell they were doing, so I don't know what it is. And now that it's time to have a polite conversation, I don't know what to say. So there you go. That's the other thing about con culture and queer culture. Like, if I go to Trek Vegas and I'm just sitting at the bar and a bunch of Klingons sit down next to me, I can strike up conversation just by shouting, Kapaw! And, you know, we're down. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in queer communities. If I go to the LGBT center down in the city, you know, we can just start talking politics or we can just start talking gender theory and it's on. But with a bunch of straight people, what the hell do we talk about? Don't ask me. And I'm a straight guy. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know either. I, I I have some snippets of sports talk and stuff like that, but that's it. They're not like other conversations. Right, right. So I think it's reasonable to feel a little out of place, but I don't know how to remedy it. And I'm sure there is a remedy because we are problem-solving type people. Right. And and sometimes the remedy is in having a discussion and then some more thoughts are generated or when the similar okay. or when a situation like that arises again, having a little more confidence in, oh, here's that weird situation again. Let me see what I can do with it. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. And I think as a person who is perceived as a cisgender straight white guy, you have a lot of leeway to manage the situation. Right. You you are by default given authority over the situation or control of the situation or deference in the situation. Yeah, I, I guess it doesn't occur to me at the time. No, it doesn't I have because a- you haven't you haven't quite assimilated your male privilege yet, for which I am grateful. Well, that that's good that I haven't done that. But I think also, um, as an introvert, I don't have a lot of interest in just having a conversation for the hell of it. I have an interest in having a conversation that's interesting. So not that people don't anyway, but they might start with something more general. And I'm standing there thinking, trying to think of something interesting. Right. Or listening for something that might be of interest. Right. Right. Like the conversation we were sort of having with the guy that we were talking to, my work wife and I, was about he was planning for retirement in so many years, and he had been thinking these things, and we had each gone to workshops about that, and so we're having right. savings and preparing preparing and planning conversations. Right. Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since you didn't find a, a shirt in person, you said you're going to look for one online for me. Yeah. And... 
it might be interesting to see if I can find other ways that people are out, not just people who are like big advocates who like have their YouTube channels and their books they write, right? but just, you know, the average trans guy. Mm-hmm. The average trans guy. <laughs> I'm waving. <laughs> well, I think that's why we have the followers that we do because, you know, we're not YouTube stars. We're not huge advocates. We're just trying to get through the goddamn day-to-day of having a professional existence and a family existence and... Meanwhile, there's this trans thing. Right. And there are a lot of quote-unquote average trans folk who are just trying to get through their day-to-day. And I've heard, you know, the emails that we get, there's a lot of encouragement for people who are, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't have to be an actor. I don't have to be, you know, there's a role model for someone who's just doing, you know, just jobbing the job and parenting the kids and living the life. And trying not to talk awkwardly to people. There you go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So is that it for now? I think that's it. We'd love to hear from you. So let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! You really expect nature to be quiet? (laughs) No, I'm flipping off the birds because it makes me feel better. Okay. Yeah. Stop. We're going to have to wait now, aren't we? Hey. I'm going to take this collar, should I? Bob, you're naughty. Naughty dog. The mail carrier is bringing us mail. That's her job. It's okay. I'm not going to be able to use that because you talked while I was still (gasps) gasping after my cough. Okay, I don't hear the sounds that you hear. So Uh I don't know that you're gasping after your cough. (laughs) So if you don't hold up your finger, I don't know to stop. Thank you.